This episode is brought to you by Get Mobile ID, the smart choice for MDL implementations. Put citizens in control with Get Mobile ID, fully ISO compliant and UL certified for all transaction modes. Learn more at getgroupna.com. Welcome to AnvaCast, bringing news, information, and expertise to the Anva community. Now celebrating our 90th anniversary. Here's your host, Ian Grossman. Enjoy the show. Welcome back, everybody. This week, I am visiting again with our chair of the board, commissioner of driver services in the state of Georgia, Spencer Moore. Spencer, welcome back to the Envocast. Uh, thank you, Ian. It's great to be back and uh, awesome to always be on the Envo podcast. Yeah, and we're, we're here coming to you all. Uh, we're in Arlington, Virginia, where AMVA Board of Directors has just completed their winter meeting. Uh, we used to call it a January meeting, but... It was Jan- part January, part February. It was. Kind of border, borderlined it. Uh, but it's on winter meeting nonetheless. Yes, yes. And it was, uh, it was a great meeting. Uh, we had a, a, a lot of our board members were able to attend in person. Uh, as you indicated, we, we finished up January, started February, and uh, it was an exciting uh, couple of days. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about what the board talked about over the, the two days. So those that weren't here have a sense of what the board was busy doing. Uh, busy busy talking about uh, but let me ask you a more global question first why is it important you sit you've you've been a part of a number of boards you report to a board yep. in, in Georgia I which do. is not necessarily a normal <laughs> experience for a lot of DMV commissioners um, and you've also I know through your outside of DMV life have yep. been invo- uh, involved in Nonprofit governance. Yes, yes. Why? Why is that important? You know, AMVA is a nonprofit association that's owned and operated by government agencies. But talk to me about your perspective about nonprofit governance and why an engaged board is so vital to the health of an organization. Well, first of all, I think uh, boards are absolutely wonderful from from a couple of different perspectives. The very first one is accountability. I think uh, any organization that wants to be better and wants to do their very best, they want to be held accountable. And boards provide that. That's the governance piece. Uh, they give the opportunity for for things to be discussed uh, and to be learned, and they give great input that allows for that organization to be better. Uh, secondly, transparency. Uh, I think if you're in an organization of any any kind, uh, as you indicated, I have a board in which I uh, report to uh, in Georgia. And accountability and transparency is paramount. Uh, we want to always do our very best uh, in in our organizations, AMVA, DDS. It doesn't matter in order to provide uh, a quality uh, service to the customers that we're trying to provide it to. And when you have board oversight, uh, that's just an extra group of people who are working collectively uh, to help you achieve that goal. And so that's what the Anvil Board does. It's a it's a great opportunity for jurisdictions members uh, to come together with Anvil staff, uh, as well as have some outside visitors uh, when we need to hear from those, uh, and and make the community better. Uh, that's the goal. We're going to make uh, improve things, uh, get better, uh, enhance. Uh, I think we collectively do that when you have a great board. Uh, you also have a, a, a wonderful staff, and then you have great partners. Yeah, yep. absolutely. And so part of that board's role is 
accountability for, for the leadership. And I, that's kind of how we kick off the meeting is you as chair, myself as president and CEO, the very first thing we do is we give a report. What have we been up to for the past few months? In this case, it's basically been four months since the board last met in September. Uh, highlights of your report to the board that you maybe want to share with a larger audience. Sure. First of all, um, you know, coming out of uh, becoming chair in Madison, uh, you know, I think the schedule was immediately tough, right? There were a lot of visits that I've made over the course of a very few short months. Uh, I believe I've visited at least uh, seven locations, uh, attended seven, di seven different meetings um, in at least two countries. And, and collectively on some of those meetings, uh, it, was, it was jumping immediately from one place, i.e. I was I think I was coming from Kansas City into mm -hmm. Denver yep. uh, during the same week. Uh, it's been it's been great. Uh, first of all, it's just always a great opportunity to go to the various regions uh, to visit with folks that might not make it to an AIC. Right, they're at the regional administrator meeting or a regional roundtable. Uh, in in many cases, these are different people, yeah. uh, people that I don't normally get to meet. Uh, so as chair, I think it's very important that uh, the vision of AMBA uh, continues to be highlighted. Uh, all those things that we are working on as a community is communicated to those groups of people. And that's what's been happening over the last several months. I've had the opportunity to go into those places, uh, speak directly with different regions. Uh, and then, of course, coming into our winter uh, board meeting and then highlight some of those uh, those exchanges yeah. Yeah. yeah and we then we transition in the board meeting uh, right away to um, an overview of the organizational health kind of a snapshot of uh, of what's going on in in the organization I shared some comments in terms of internal transition um, Emily Pura our uh, vice president of human resources uh, as a board member, what is it that you're looking for? And in this case, I would assume happy you heard in terms of the internal health of the organization. Well, first of all, let's, let's address, it's not an elephant at all, but it is, it is certainly uh, something that I think the AMVA community is aware of, and that we've had transition. Yeah. Uh, we've had transition at the top of the organization when you have become CEO and president. And, uh, you know, as we are looking at the health of the organization, uh, the board is interested in you know how is the AMVA staff uh, handling change, uh, and this is what I can tell the community in this podcast: they are handling it well. Um, it's amazing to me to come into this meeting, uh, hear hear those report outs uh, from the various from you and the various AMVA staff, and hear consistency in the message, which is. We're transitioning, uh, but from a very solid foundation mm -hmm. uh, that has been built over a number of years. Um, and, and that transition is only elevating the organization to an even higher place. Um, you know, going back to some of the report out that I remember, uh, Emily, for example, you know, you onboarded, you have an organization of roughly a little over 200 people, mm -hmm. onboarded about 20 little over 20 people in the last year um, and those were positive transitions and those were things that were healthy to the organization um, in my state for example I onboarded more than 300 people right so if you are 
any organization is going to go through change, but the question is whether or not it's positive change. Is it fostering growth and, and, and looking at new and better ways in which we can serve our customers, in your case, in Anva's case, serving the Anva jurisdictions, uh, as well as the uh, stakeholders who are part of it. I can tell you without a doubt, I believe that's occurring. I believe our team is motivated, our team being the Anva team, uh, and it showed mm -hmm. in this board meeting report out. So those are the things you want to hear. Uh, health of the organization, priorities that have been set by the board, uh, that the Anva staff is really diligent about trying to accomplish those yeah. things. And one of the areas where we spent some time on priorities, this past year, fiscal 23, marked the first year of the current five-year strategic framework. So it was an opportunity to give a snapshot of how we're doing in those key priority areas. It's laid out in the framework. Anybody could find that on our website. Uh, but it was the first time the board saw the report in terms of first year, 20% first to five. <laughs> yes, it was. And, uh, you know, what I recall uh, from that report out is, um, you know, there were some really great things that we laid out in that strategic framework in which the ANVA uh, community is, is set on achieving. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we're the first, this was the first year that we could report out, uh, you guys could report out what's been occurring. Uh, those were all positive things. Yeah. Every single item in which we're trying, of course, are we at the finish line? No. But are we moving steadily toward it? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so that's what we heard. Uh, and it was all positive, and uh, it was certainly, it, it's always good uh, to take score, mm -hmm. right? Uh, it's, you know, some, sometimes I, I recall a governor that we had in our state um, who, who once said, uh, you, you, you cannot win a ball game if you don't take score. <laughs> so how do you know if, if you're winning? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and, and I think your report out and the team's report out was, certainly a, a great way that we can measure our move toward winning, uh, which is what we all want to do. One of the other ways we measure health, and one of, the, I think, the primary roles of any board body is fiduciary responsibility, oh, yeah. right? Keeping an eye on the reality of, of the dollars and cents, and we always spend a good time on the financial health of the organization with, with the board. Um, one of the things I think that was important Two things that might be worth sharing with the listeners is uh, the annual audit. Yep. And the fact that we've had another clean, unmodified opinion with absolutely no material findings and no recommendations. Um, you've been in organizations enough, Spencer, you know, others have that and some have the opposite. So for those who maybe don't know the meaningfulness of a clean audit, as a board member, what, what would you tell folks? Well, let me first say it's a rarity that you not only not have findings, but you really aren't given even recommendations in which um, that auditor wants you to pursue mm -hmm. so that you don't have a future finding. Mm -hmm. That's the case here in Anva. Um, I, was, I had the fortunate opportunity to uh, visit with the Finance Investment and Audit Committee uh, the day before we actually had the board meeting and sit with them uh, as they heard the report out from that third-party independent auditor mm -hmm. who gave just that result, which is, no findings, no real management uh, considerations, no, no uh, things that you know you should be working on. I think any organization, there's not been many, 
where I can say that that's occurred. Uh, but I think that's a testament to Wendy Sibley, her team, and and uh, Gabriel Robinson as treasurer. You know, the financial responsibility is a key oversight responsibility of the board. Um, and having those players in place, uh, knowing how committed that AMVA team, that AMVA finance team is to ensure that every single dollar is, uh, there, there's, a, there's a big oversight. Uh, and I think you alluded to it. I think uh, uh, you alluded to it in the meeting and even Wendy acknowledged it, which is sometimes we have a type A individual who's in those <laughs> roles. <laughs> and for that reason, that's why yeah. you get these clean audits. So, you know, if, if you're trying to, if you're the person who is at your role, which is the CEO, you might get those, ah, we shouldn't do that. Or, hey, this may be a better way in which we can accomplish this, or this may be a better way in which we can spend the finances of the organization. What's clear to me is those recommendations are being heard. Yeah. Uh, and we are following those, uh, and we're doing things in the right way. Uh, so kudos to the yeah. AMVA team. Yeah, because, you know, there's a lot of people might be listening going, you know, what auditor worth their weight wouldn't find something? And I think meeting with the auditors to understand that <laughs> they're doing the due diligence. It's just that our team has invested so heavily in making sure we are beating best practices, beating industry standards to achieve that that result. The audit team that is doing these third-party independent audits are the best in the business. Yeah, that's right. They are not uh, fly-by-night individuals. Like, yes, yeah, they, they are the yeah. best in the business. Uh, so as you indicate, no, they aren't just throwing out, oh, you know, these people are good, so we're just not going to write them a finding. Yeah. They are thoroughly reviewing the things that Amber is doing, and that's their result. Yeah. Now, some of the things we're doing is what our members rely on most, is which is investing in our committees, our working groups to produce the best practices, standards, all those things. And it was a busy board meeting in the sense of we had a good amount of content for the board to give final approval, to give some new deliverables um, to, to the members. Uh, one of those is the emergency resiliency and response uh, best practice. Um, in many ways, People might say it's a little bit late to the game four years after uh, we shut down. <laughs> but nevertheless, there's so many lessons learned that we could be ready for for the next one. Yeah, you know, I think every organization in the country is probably thinking about how they can improve their uh, ability to be resilient in the time of a crisis. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it's great that we could get published uh, this document because it will help us in the future. We've all gone through plans and we've created plans um, you know I can I can think about the uh, um, SARS and 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 you know bird flu and mm -hmm. different types mm -hmm. of plans that we've all implemented over in our organizations over the years I don't think anybody could have predicted what was going to occur in COVID and the shutdown of operations um, I think it was spoken to in the in the board meeting uh, that typically in when you're responding to an emergency situation, law enforcement, a part of what they do every single day and week is train for those instances. It's rare businesses train, uh, whether they're governmental businesses, for-profit uh, businesses, not-for-profit businesses, train for scenarios in which occurred, right? 
how to stand up call centers, how to keep customers served, how to go through all these, these different facets that we know we are part of the critical infrastructure of, of our country. Uh, so uh, this document will be a great bl blueprint. If you don't have one in your state uh, and, and you're looking for something that can assist you um, easily, uh, where you can literally uh, use and modify for your benefit, this document will provide that. And a couple other things the board approved, uh, an update to the automated vehicles guidelines, uh, acceptance of signatures for odometer statements. Uh, I know, you know, we talked about your commissioner driver services, yeah. so, you know, outside of yeah. what you do at home, but, you know, recognizing as a board member that these members need this kind of guidance. You know, the great thing about our board is it is, it is you have so many individuals who cross uh, spectrums of what they cover. Yeah. Um, but but what, what occurs is consistency of wanting to improve the way that we do things. Uh, so technology, as we've, we've known, whether it's regarding the vehicle side, whether it's uh, related to the driver's side, we are all trying to achieve it. Yeah. Uh, so these are great new ways in which technology is going to help us to get to a better place, uh, as well as great documents that help us give states something that they can go to uh, research, review, yeah. uh, and improve. Another uh, decision the board made, and it's seemingly a small change, but I'm going to ask you about it because I know with your background and your passion for um, safety, sure. it was probably meaningful, which Absolutely. is uh, the committee's recommended and the board approved to change the name of our Lifetime Achievement Award. For years, it was the Lifetime Achievement Award in Highway Safety. Right. We've changed it to Lifetime Achievement in roadway right. safety. Right. It was uh, Chief Batiste who gave that report. Uh, and, you know, I remember him making the emphasis that when you think about a highway, most people think about interstate highways or they think about major corridors and they don't really think about every road type. Uh, so the goal was to ensure that the community at a, as a whole understands that when we're awarding this to an individual, it's not just about interstate highways, it's not just about corridors, but it is about every single road type that might exist in various jurisdictions. And we are, we're, we're you know, it, it seems like a small change, but what it is, is it, it's acknowledging that, you know, it doesn't matter uh, where um, a person might get injured or lose their life. Mm -hmm. um, we need to we need to acknowledge that it's certainly bigger than the highways yeah. uh, or the major highways in our in our various ju jurisdictions. On a uh, more op operational side, you know, we talk about the finances, we talk about the best practices, but everyone knows Anva operates and maintains a very sophisticated technology network. Yes, the board made some significant decisions this week um, around the future of legacy platforms and uh, the shifting of what has been historically the idea that we'll, we'll keep everybody going wherever they are, whatever they're doing, there's always a connection for you. Sure. But recognizing that, okay, maybe it's time that some of these older ways of doing business need to be put to bed. Yeah, you know, I think there is, there is certainly so many jurisdictions to be served across, uh, 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 across Continental U.S. 
Canada, uh, obviously those beyond the continent itself, uh, those jurisdictions beyond. And as you indicated, I think Anvis had a role of being all things to all, mm-hmm. all jurisdictions. Yeah. When in reality, it's hard to run a Commodore 64 type system. You guys might remember that, <laughs> 1980s, right? And at the same time, run a Microsoft platform that is highly sophisticated. It's going to be hard to support both those types of technology. Uh, so uh, I think what we saw in 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 setting new guidelines uh, in this board meeting, which is um, we will look to sunset some technology um, in which Anva supports. Uh, there is ample time. Uh, mm-hmm. So jurisdictions don't need to run out and think, oh, man, Anva's going to change something tomorrow, right. and, and somehow it won't allow me to do or serve the, the customers that I've been serving. That's not the case. Uh, what I think the Anva board, as well as the Anva staff and the Anva community is saying is, in order to serve our customers better, to, in order to serve them more securely, in order to preserve their privacy, we need to be on platforms that are not generations uh, apart, but maybe a few years apart. And I think that's what we're trying to uh, achieve uh, with this new uh, sunsetting of, of, of some technology. So, you know, I would, I would advise if I'm a jurisdiction that maybe have some older technology legacy systems that I've been running for a long time, uh, and you're looking for ammunition mm. uh, because in many cases it's just about that. I'm on these systems, but I really don't have the ability to fund something greater because I need an appropriation or I need funding in order to do that. I think what you will now have uh, with uh, with what we've done this week is some ammunition mm. that you can then take to your leadership and hopefully get the funding that you need to upgrade. And I'll, uh, certainly I'll be sending out some communications in the next couple of weeks laying out those timelines. But like you said, for those listening who are maybe getting too worried, know that there, it's a phased approach, 2026, 2028, uh, that it is urgent enough to do something about it, but enough lead time that it's practical. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's so being here in Arlington, Virginia, we were able to take advantage of being in the nation's capital, even as Treasurer Gabriel Robinson reminded everybody that DMV means something different when you're in this town. Yes. Um, it's not necessarily the DMV as our listeners don't love it, it's DC, Maryland, and Virginia. Right. Um, and so we took advantage of that and had four uh, four key federal partners uh, join us this this week. Um, so let's talk a little bit about those, those conversations, starting with some leadership from the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration. Yeah, first of all, uh, that's why I think this is such a critical um, board meeting uh, when we're able to meet here in Arlington because it does give sort of, sort of a practical, um, those in the federal government can get over and be, be a part of the board meeting. But this is what I can say about our federal partners. They, always all, they almost always get here. Mm-hmm. And we had great participation today uh, from them. Uh, certainly appreciate uh, FMCSA and their team for coming over. There's so many different things that we work on with them. Uh, whether it's ANVA or a jurisdiction themselves, we are somewhat interconnected in 
certainly in the CDL driver, <laughs> certainly in a number of other things that we are motor carrier compliance and all those various things that each of our state is working toward achieving. So, you know, to me, when you, you get an invitation, they certainly are, are not under obligation to come meet mm -hmm. with the Amber board, mm -hmm. but they do it willingly. Yeah. Uh, so that is the key to a partnership. Uh, and they came over and they, they gave some, some really good updates uh, this week. I think some of the updates uh, that, uh, that were given, our membership will continue to see some of those being pushed out uh, in, our, in our various communication channels throughout ANVA, uh, updates uh, about what's occurring in their, in their world. Um, and then, you know, the biggest thing for me uh, when it comes to FH, uh, excuse me, F, I keep wanting to say FHWA, <laughs> right? I'm, I, I don't know why. I guess it's my past life. But FMCSA is the systems in which we all are part of. Mm -hmm. They are really critical. And most people may not know, but ANVA plays a really, really big role in the operation of those yeah. on behalf of FMCSA. Yeah. Uh, and for, for several years, uh, what we've been trying to do is ensure uh, that ANVA has uh, the right documentation, guidance, mm -hmm. um, ability to serve jurisdictions uh, and improve technology as we all know it and need it um, with the help of, of FMCSA. And, and they gave us a good report out on that. So uh, we look forward to more communication. Uh, in in the summer and in and the months to come, uh, but it's promising Absolutely. where we are. And then their sister DOT agency again with your background topics very near dear to your heart. NHTSA yeah was with us this week. It was they were and uh, you know NHTSA they come always to the board meeting telling us in many cases uh, what we somewhat know, uh, but they affirm it in a way that I think most DMVs. Uh, don't think about, mm -hmm. uh, which is, we are we are at some of the highest loss of life on our highways, roadways that we've ever seen in our country. Uh, certainly, coming out of the pandemic, we saw those numbers come up. We had a slight decline, uh, I think, was indicated in this in in this past year. Um, but when NITS is able to come over, give us some really good uh, information about where those where those deaths are occurring, things that jurisdictions perhaps can do uh, to start to assist with that, and you know whether it's GDL or whether it's uh, some some area of your operation testing that you can improve that might have an effect on traffic safety deaths. That's what we want to achieve. We all have a responsibility. If someone is being licensed by a DMV, they're being titled. Uh, it, their vehicles are being titled uh, by by a DMV. We bear the responsibility of improving our system as best we can. And you're right; I'm truly passionate about it because so many of us all know this community, any community, of family members, of friends, of loved ones who have died in horrific crashes that we know are preventable. Um, and we owe it to ourselves to continue to partner with NHTSA to come up with creative solutions, uh, innovate, uh, become better, uh, so that we can make sure people's families, 
uh, remain their families and they're living long, healthy and happy lives uh, versus ending them way too soon. And then outside of DOT, we had a couple of agencies from Department of Homeland Security, both the Real ID Office and uh, USCIS that operates the, the SAVE system. Uh, Real ID is, it's amazing that even 20 years later, here we are, still a hot topic of every AMVA meeting. It is, you know, and, you know, there are, this is one of those things, it's kind of, it's, it's not like the system uh, it's not completely like legacy systems as well as new technology, but it's similar. From the standpoint of adoption rates are different based on locations. And in many, many instances, it is no fault to the jurisdictions themselves. At the end of the day, uh, if you offer a service and people choose a service, um, DMVs have to act in accordance to their laws. So uh, in those jurisdictions where you might see not as high of, uh, of an adoption rate for real ID, it's typically because there are options. You know, there are things that the customer can do um, that may not get them a real ID. Um, when, quite frankly, many of the principles that they're following, you're still getting the proof of, proof of identity. You're still getting at least some uh, clue of, a, of an address. Uh, but those standards may not be high enough to meet the real ID. Um, we're working with now the TSA, mm -hmm. uh, and as you indicate, uh, the the real ID uh, portion of that that uh, organization in, in in DHS, in order to prove the process, improve the process, streamline customer visits, so that they can get those credentials. But we've had a We've had a, you know, earlier I said, if if you if you're not keeping score, you, you don't know if you're winning, right? Um, in this case, the game, the game uh, may, uh, the time in the game uh, for a period of time has been added to. <laughs> I used to work with someone who said you've gotten the ball downfield. I'm going to use this because you're a football football guy. Everyone knows that about Spencer. You've gotten the ball downfield. You're on the one one yard line. It's yep. first and goal. Right. And then someone tells you, "No, you're playing Canadian football." <laughs> Very good analogy. And that's <laughs> you know that, that that's it. We've had compliance states that have moved. Uh, quite frankly, what I heard that was very encouraging that is we don't expect the compliance state to move any further. Uh, so from that standpoint, I think states can really prepare to know that customers, uh, if they don't have a real ID by next year, then they will have to visit your office. Uh, and get that real ID if they intend to travel uh, or visit, you know, federal locations uh, after that period. Now, we did hear from them, though, that that date, though the date's not changing. Right. They are going to be coming out with some new guidance in terms of what the date means. I think for so long, we always thought the date was a, you yeah. know, line in the sand. Yeah. And on this date, you cannot get on an airplane. And I think they are coming with the, you know, the idea of moving the goal line, yes, it's going to be a different interpretation of what enforcement means on that May 2020. And I think date. that's very important for the communication, excuse me, for the community to know. Uh, but, you know, if, if you are working hard to get people Real ID, uh, to become a part of Real ID, your work is not in vain. 
uh, it is very much needed uh, and, and of course as a community we're collecting I believe they said as a community as a whole we're around a 56 percent uh, real ID compliance across the country um, so we want to improve that we all want to improve that um, and collectively we can do that together so and then USCIS was there, and that was um, an exciting conversation, I think, for two reasons. One is uh, there's been a lot of focus on the SAFE platform the last few months, yeah. and the community has seen some improvement in that way it operates and a commitment from the agency to continue it. Yeah, that was a very great uh, communication uh, with those, uh, those leaders who came over from USCIS, and especially coming out of the p pandemic, um, those waits for for immigration documents were long um, and in many cases what what's occurred uh, is the customer base uh, in jurisdictions could not get credentials from save uh, and, and that resulted in them not being able to get a credential from the jurisdiction um, and that frustration typically rest at the local at the most local location which is in the jurisdiction uh, where customers are saying hey why don't you change your process in order for us to get these documents we can't we're bound by state law in order to follow those laws but you know again as you indicated at the top of this of at least the top of of, of this particular topic um, it's improved what they're saying is essentially uh, that weight should be less than 10 days for most documents uh, so they've gone from being i believe they said three to ten days uh, prior to the pandemic obviously seeing those shifts during the pandemic and then hearing that those were, were basically back down to a 10-day uh wait in which most of the saved customers are being are getting some type of yeah. response and then it's a little bit insider baseball but i think for those that are, that are listening they'll be excited to know this, especially if you work on the SAFE platform and you've been around or you work in VLS, dealing with USCIS, there's a new chief yeah. at USCIS that's going to be our primary point of contact uh, just a few days on the job, but somebody, everybody uh, who's worked in this credentialing <laughs> space has gotten to know. Yeah, absolutely. Steve Yonkers is probably, he's probably one of the most, uh, you know, senior people uh, is in this area of responsibility that we've all in the, in the community work with, right? He was on a Real ID program forever. Uh, he's very familiar with the ANVA community. He's been to many of our conferences. He's come to numerous board meetings. Mm -hmm. Now he has a different role, uh, and he's over at SAVE, and it's, it's my hope that that only helps to benefit us in the relationship as we want to get that 10 days down to seven, right. that, seven down to three because what we know you know one of the things that were pointed out today is in many cases you can't apply for a new immigration document until your old immigration document expires well most immigration documents your credential your driving credential or id is tied to the length of that date well if if you can't apply for a new one that individual has no recourse they essentially lose, then they've got to wait that 10 day period now, uh, presumably if, if, if that's the case in, in the, on average, I should say, say average, not all, uh, on average within a 10 day period. But then that customer is then back at the DMV uh, trying to get a service um, 
and it kind of puts them in limbo. Yeah. Uh, so they took that they took that note. Uh, they heard those. Uh, uh, they heard our administrators talk about it, uh, and hopefully we'll see some changes. Yeah, that's great. And so the last thing I'm going to ask you about, you know, we talked about Steve Yonkers coming in, personnel change. We talked about sunsetting legacies earlier. Yep. Um, the board got some news about another, you talked earlier about me moving into the CEO <laughs> role. Uh, nothing's as constant as change. Nothing is as constant as change. Uh, and, you know, one of the things that I think the board – we've looked at over the last several years is board governance you know um what's important to the priorities of the organization ANVA as a community today versus where it was in prior years and what we've all what we all know is there are a number of things that have really really elevated themselves to the top based on either um um, the pandemic itself business continuity how we do things business operations mm -hmm. also uh, of course, identity management, as we've seen, you know, uh, just leaps and bounds in a very short period on digital credentialing. Yeah. Um, and I think as an ANVA board, we're trying to review and, and determine what are the right things that we are focused on as an organization so that we achieve the things that are expected by the jurisdictions. Remember, ANVA is for the jurisdictions is by the jurisdictions so there's a big focus on that um, the board along with AMVA staff will be working hard over the next several months uh, in order to give a governance structure uh, that will help propel the future of what we all are trying to accomplish that's change that's different it may look different committees may look different um, those those things uh, may change but again it's more like evolution and well, it's more like you change. said it earlier it's about we've got the strong foundation to build off on yes but if we don't keep building we'll just be stagnant that's and right no longer be a strong foundation. that's right that's right and i think this is a perfect yeah. time to do it uh you know um there's there's i mean most everybody who's probably listening to this they know that we have a new ceo yeah. you're that you're that person um and not that you weren't at Amber, and I think some people forget about you've that been there. there for 14 <laughs> you've been years there 14 then, years, yeah. so you've seen it all, and you've been a part of it. It's time to continue to build. Yeah, it's time to continue to build. And it's you know I was there 14 and a half years before being tapped for this. I'm actually coming up. February is actually my onboarding date, so it'll be 15 years. Um, but that is still less than half. Of someone else who shared an announcement uh, this week with us. Yeah, it's uh, it's wonderful to be in a position where uh, you have. I'm I'm in my 27th year in state government, but the way that it works in Georgia is uh, everybody knows I'm a workaholic. I, I, I work a lot, so I rarely take off. And over those 27 years, you get to accrue uh, these forfeited leave options. Yeah. But it puts you in a position where you can retire early. Right. I'm not retiring. No, I have a it's community. Not, it's not Spencer's announcement. No, 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 no. It's not an announcement at all uh, by me. But, you know, it, it certainly is always great to be there. Uh, but at the end of today's meeting, uh, we had a very great opportunity to pay tribute uh, to a person who has been a part of the ANVA community since 1991. Uh, we Again, Ian mentioned it. We talked about the legacy systems uh, that were 
uh, put in place uh, that we're trying to sunset at this point. Um, it was truly a full circle moment for Philippe Guillaume. Philippe, uh, if you know him, uh, he's probably one of the most humble uh, individuals you could ever meet, but he's a giant of, uh, of a person uh, who has helped this AMVA community uh, in so many ways. Uh, he's, he's one of those, he's not ever been the CEO or president, so everybody doesn't know how, his name necessarily, but uh, he has been a part of this community so long and so many of these systems that we all operate on, mm -hmm. they are because of uh, him and a tremendous IT team that Anva has. Uh, he announces he'll be retiring in a phased approach. Phased approach. Phased approach. Yes. Not, not immediately. He'll go into a part-time status, uh, I believe, in the June time frame. That's right. Um, but so, you, you know, the metaphor sometimes is overused, the wizard behind the curtain. Yes. But Not it's pretty apt, pretty apt for it. He is, he is the wizard behind. Yeah, him. yeah. If you are, uh, if you are, I guess skipping down uh, that line and you're off to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz. That is Philippe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he has been that for for uh, Emma for a long time. Uh, his legacy remains. It will remain for a very, very long time. But just like we don't want you to get too scared about uh, sunsetting the systems, we don't have to be too scared because he's going to make the first change come, you know, June 1st. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, as he shared with the board, nobody stays with an organization for 30 plus years if they're not all in. Yeah. And I think he wants to make sure that the, the exit is as supportive of what we need as the 31 years have been. Yes, yes. And, uh, um, you know, there's so many things. We had a wonderful um, standing ovation Yes. Uh, for, for um, Philippe at the end of our board meeting today. Um, and it's well-deserved. Um, we look forward to uh, continuing to celebrate him and the things that he's accomplished. Not as he goes fully away, <laughs> but just as he, he reaches a new milestone yeah. uh, that, that he is, he is uh, hoping to achieve. Well, All Spencer, right. thanks for spending the time so we can keep everybody in the loop of what the board's been doing, what they've been talking about. Um, and we'll you know, move on now to the next projects, the next events. We've got a little bit of a break over these winter, well, yeah. winter, I'm going to go singular because <laughs> that's probably more what it's like in Atlanta anyway. That's it's probably one right. One month of winter. In one month of winter. And then we'll get back to seeing everybody out there on the emphasis. Yeah, looking forward to it. Um, uh, thank you, Ian. Thanks, Spencer. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening this week. Thanks to our producers, Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin. Till next week. Stay well. All right. Thank you for joining us for AmbaCast, hosted by Ian Grossman, produced by Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin, music by Gibson Arthur. This episode was brought to you by Get Mobile ID by Get Group North America. Visit us at amvacast.podbean.com and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify.